for those tough wake-ups. Stats are misleading. It's Marsh and Mello. Major foul. Wake up to serious sports talk. He fist his head. It's Marsh. The CFL, baby. And Mello. I love Ken. It's Marsh and Mello. This is football. For those tough wake-ups. They're heating up. It's Marsh and Mello. Coming your way, Hamilton. Wake up to serious sports talk. Gas tank on before. It's Marsh. In Canada. And Mellow. Why not, eh? It's Marsh and Mellow. Thank you, Canada. Everybody's doing it. What a jam. I just wanted to let that roll for a second. <laughs> oh, and welcome to Marsh and Mellow, everybody. Thank you for being here. As always, we do appreciate it. At Marsh and Mellow, at Kyle underscore Mellow underscore, at TSN underscore Marsh. Uh, that's where you can follow us if you want me to uh, send out pictures of my son's new McLaren uh, push toy that he got as a present for his first birthday. Happy birthday, Noah. Love you, buddy. Uh, the McLaren, boy. What a gift that was, uh, especially on the day where Lando Norris decides <laughs> not to put the correct tires on in the Russian Grand Prix out there in Sochi. And as a result, just slides off the track and uh, goes into the <laughs> abyss, never to be seen or heard from once again. But man, I felt for Lando, man. He had that in the bank, but him and George being up at the front, George Williams, uh, sorry, George Russell in a Williams up near the front with Lando Norris up near the front. I'm like, this is the future of F1. We are witnessing right in front of our face. It was great. So it was fun to, to get yeah. him a, uh, one of those little push toy sports cars in the day where uh, yeah, F1 was very much on the front of mine. Yeah, the George Russell thing is, uh, it's like you keep waiting for it, but it never happens. Um, oh, he's like, so... when's he going to get into the top five with Williams? Obviously, he did it as a fill-in for Lewis, but yeah. um, it's just it's been a struggle for him. As for that F1 race uh, on Sunday, I was watching that race enthralled with, okay, the rain's here now. If the rain stays like this, I think Lando has a shot. The rain didn't stay like that. No. It picked up and told Lando, Lando, the rain's going to get worse. He's like, I don't care. I'm not yeah. coming into the pits because I'm going to lose my lead if I do, which he was right. And it was interesting because after the race, it was Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton doing interviews side by side with different media outlets. Yeah. And they ended up talking to each other. And Lewis was like, Lando, like, good effort, man. That was, it happens. was a heck of a very tough race. And Lando goes, yeah, they told me when the rain started uh, to come in. I didn't listen. And he's like, Lewis is like, yeah, they told me the same thing. But then they're like, Lewis, this is going to pick up. And they told me right when it started to pick up. So I came into the pits. And then Lando just looks at him and goes, Damn. yeah, I still didn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's amazing. It's remarkable how often in his career as Lewis Hamilton gets his 100th victory in Formula One, which is a crazy number when you consider like the winning percentage you have to have. I, I saw somewhere that he's won like something like 20% of races in the history of formula. It's some, it's some stupid statistic like that, but, yeah. um, but yeah, he's, there's been so many times, I think back to even Monaco, I think of 2018 or 19, where Lewis Hamilton was essentially told one thing by his team. And he's like, shut up. No, I know what I'm like. I know the car better than you guys <laughs> know the car. You got all the telemetry, all the, I'm feeling it. You're reading it. Okay. Let me do my yeah. thing. I know what I need. And Lando tried to do the balls. He like, no, his his radio message when they said Lando, should we go for inters? He just it didn't even take half a second. He pressed the radio button on his steering wheel and went no, and just yelled at them. <laughs> and uh, and for him to turn that down, I was like, he tried to pull the boss move. He tried to do the Lewis and Monaco of no man, I I know this car better than you guys do. I can handle yeah. this. It's like ah, man, sometimes you luck out. Sometimes it's skill. Sometimes it's better understanding of the car. But uh, F one is crazy. By the way, 
underrated great little thing in life is when you put a drink into the fridge and the fridge is so cold that there's just like a little layer of ice on the top of your drink when you open it. It's the just, best. Oh, it is an amazing, even as the weather's starting to cool down, you just, you're chewing on a little bit of ice, but the ice is actually flavored because it's actually the drink that you, oh, it's the best. Uh, you know what else is the best here, Kai Milo, of course, is our friends at Sawdust City Brewing. Speaking of drinks that are wonderful and cold and frosty, visit their website, sawdustcitybeer.com, shop their wide variety of brews to learn more. Of course, use that promo code CFL, get yourself free shipping on your orders over hundred bucks. I had a friend that stopped up in Gravenhurst this past week on his way to uh, Halliburton, I believe, going to a cottage. And he went in there and he said it was so amazing because there was a regular that came, sat down in the saloon. And as soon as he sat down, the guy behind the counter said, I'll go and get you the regular gets him a beer and gets him a poutine and the guy didn't even have to ask for it he just knew it was noon on a friday and that guy was there to get his poutine and beer from sawdust city brewing so uh my friend was just like man what a place for people to, to drop in and have that kind of fun and of course thank you to fox 40 as well been watching a lot of football lately oua season in full swing as the western mustangs fall to the guelph griffins uh, that was a really entertaining hard-fought game i think those two teams are going to go right down to the end of the season but if you want to watch lots of football, if you're coaching football, if you're around the game of football, then Fox 40 is the brand you need to know. Visit fox40shop.com to check out coaching boards, gear. They got whistles. They got so much more. Use the code CFP15 at checkout. You get 15% off of your order, courtesy of us here at Canadian Football Perspective. This is a, a weird week. It's <laughs> it's really, Kyle, the weirdest three-week stretch I can ever remember in CFL scheduling. Because yeah. when the NFL had to put the Bills on a Tuesday night against the Titans, when they had to do Wednesday night football, or when they had to put two games on Saturday night to make up for, they were doing that because of COVID, where they had to massage things and move things around. And the CFL scheduled this stuff, man. Like, this is where yeah. they put these games. And honestly, if I'm a Red Blacks fan, like, I'm kind of glad because it doesn't get in the way of my weekends because your team is really struggling. Um, so to have these Wednesday games and Tuesday games and all the rest, but... I mean, it is Wednesday. We had the Thai Cats and the Red Blacks this Tuesday coming up. As you're listening to this on game day, Tuesday on, on September 28th, you've got Edmonton going up against Ottawa. Uh, then we get into Thanksgiving. We got those Monday games. And then finally, it settles into Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. And then we get into playoffs. We add in those Sundays. But it's a weird three-week stretch here. So this is a bit of a weird show for us, aside from the fact that we are essentially a full day late on posting this because the weekend was a little crazy for both of us. Uh, the idea that we're not really recapping, we're not really setting up, we're just kind of talking about stuff. But I do want to begin with the game that was a full six days ago here, Kyle, uh, because <laughs> I know that you are always great for some thoughts on not just the Thai Cats across the league, all these teams, but Ottawa and Hamilton. People jumped on us on Twitter at CFP for uh, having Hamilton go down in, in our power rankings this week in terms of points. And Montreal go up, even though Montreal lost and Hamilton won. But to me, for Montreal, that was a good loss. For me, for Hamilton, that was a bad win. Like, that was not very encouraging from the Ticats. Yeah. And it's understandable because of how banged up they are. It's crazy. We say this week in, week out. But they were really dinged in this one. And I think it showed a lot of the time. So how did you see that whatever that was on Wednesday night, because I don't even know if I could call that a football game. That was just, that was weird. That was a strange game. Yeah. And again, no disrespect to David Watford, but I think it's going to become the norm for Ticats fans to feel frustrated, even though you're winning um, because of that offense. 
the offense is not fantastic and it's going to struggle at times. And I'm not surprised uh, to, to see those struggles um, for, for David Watford. I mean, he's doing what he's asked to do and that is win football games. Don't make the critical mistakes. That's going to kill you. And he's not um, as for that particular game. Um, I think for the red blacks, it, it's almost the end of the Dominique Davis era. Um, Dominique Davis was put on the sixth game. Um, so as far as we know, he's not going to be in the lineup for a little while here. That's and damning though, right? In some quarterbacks. Oh, it is. It that's da- is, that's but... damning to get put on that sixth game because I don't think he had six games worth of injuries. I just think they didn't know what the no. hell to do with him and they didn't want to pay him any money. No. And they're like, here, just go sit over in the corner and we'll deal with you later. And Dominique Davis might be, you know, an integral part of the locker room. So they're like, okay, let's, let's keep them around um, for, for spirits. Uh, obviously, we're not going to do anything this season, especially with the shortened schedule. Um, but maybe one of the new guys that we signed at quarterback can really bring some punch. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's hard to see the Red Blacks, you know, are uh, they are where they are. And, and for Marcel Desjardins, I know there's been talk this week about the future of his job. Um, at the end of the day, I go back to the day Rick Campbell left. And even before that, when Trevor Harris left and Greg Ellingson left and Sir Vincent Rogers left. And, uh, you know, I, I look around and I say, what was going on in the organization through success? Because at that time they were successful that everybody wanted to jump ship. And I don't know what it was, but for Marcel Desjardins, that, that, that can't be good on your resume um, to, to see that many guys that had so much, you know, prosperity with the organization, just get up and leave. Um, and now to see what the organization is for, you know, if I'm a Red Blacks fan, I don't know if I want Marcel Desjardins to, to go through uh, and, you know, scrape this team and, and find some jewels that they might have in their organization and to build it back up. I don't think you, you know, I think he's earned it because he's had success. I just think they're at a current state where, I think this is past Marcel Desjardins, and I think you just need new blood in there. Kind of what the Alouettes did, right, with Danny Matocha. Yeah. You know, they had, you know, Kahari Jones, and they were feeling good, but they didn't have that football mind. And then they bring in, you know, uh, Machocha, who's a local Montreal guy, and, you know, Alouettes fans love him, and here we are now where – and I don't know what the story is going to tell of the Alouettes 2021 season um, – but it's a lot better of where the Ottawa Red Blacks are because it, it is bad right now. It's a, it's hard to watch CFL games when an offense is struggling that much. They couldn't even do the basic things offensively. It was like, you know, a little three-yard dump off overthrown almost gets picked off. Then he does get picked off by Jamal Roll, and Jamal Roll brings it back to the house. And it's like, yeah, for the for the Ticats, it was a it was a win. I, I'm glad you brought up the the, the power rankings because um Last week in the power rankings, I had the Ticats ahead of the Alouettes because I didn't want to get to a scenario where the Alouettes lose in Toronto and the Ticats lose or the Ticats win in Ottawa. And now I'm stuck, you know, putting the Ticats above the Alouettes. I'm like, no, no, I'll just put them ahead now because I think this is what's going to happen. Right. And then, you know, we'll go from there. And I have the Alouettes, you know, below the Ticats in the power rankings. Um, as for, you know, this week now for the CFL, it's weird um, that there is a Tuesday game for Ottawa. The, the the crowds in the nation's capital already don't look good. I worry for what it's going to be in week 12, I week know. 14 of the season. 
I saw this week that Dave Naylor was saying that he doesn't believe Marcel Desjardins gets another chance to rebuild this team. And yeah, I don't disagree with him. And again, I, I think that there has been, I'm not here to assign blame. I'm not here to predict people getting fired. I mean, I, I hate that stuff. I don't wish that upon anybody. With that being said, instead of talking about should he or should he not be fired, which is always the sports radio sports talk thing. Yeah. I, I just find it. People need to realize, and I, I said this at the time about Winnipeg, what was happening with Mike O'Shea and, and Kyle Walters and what they were building there in Winnipeg when people were saying, well, oh, you know, they start off slow and, oh, she's got to go. Oh, she's got to go. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let them build something here. But in order to let them build something, you had to go through some tough times. I think with Lapalise, he's in that situation where if, if Lapo gets the time and the resources and the talent, man, that guy makes things look awesome. He doesn't have the time. He doesn't have the resources. He doesn't have the talent right now. So if he doesn't have those things, you got to give it to him. And the person that's probably going to, to have the fault lay on them is Marcel Desjardins in that spot because uh, they needed to be better. Now, again, there are lots of reasons aside from it. I hate that Marcel gets a lot of the blame for this stuff because there were retirements. There was COVID. There was uh, mm-hmm. in, in the injury to Jalen Saunders. There was Matt Nichols is not the quarterback they thought he was going to be. With that being said, Nick Arbuckle probably would have been better. And that was kind of on Marcel in that spot. So that's probably the final straw here uh, that ends up changing this organization. But Ottawa football fans need to realize because they've been spoiled. Let's be honest. Like since that first year, yes, it was a bad first year. Second year, you go to the great cup. And then you're looking at success with Trevor Harris, Greg Allings, Deontay Spencer, Brad's not on and on and on and on. You've hit your first rough patch and getting rid of Marcel is not going to make this. Okay. He's gone. Now we get all of the best free agents and now we're the greatest team ever again. It's going to take a little bit of time. Now the CFL, you can turn things around quickly, but mm. regardless of who comes in, they're going to have to, I assume, learn the scouting system or build up the scouting network the way that they want it or create the, uh, the command power of how the organization is going to be structured. Or There's a lot of stuff that goes into that and that's going to take a little bit of time, I think, to, to get that where Ottawa would like it to be. And then you usually don't see the fruits of that labor of setting up the organization the way you want it to be for at least a year or two. And again, I'm not trying to put a strict timeline on this because I could be way off in either direction. It could be way sooner. It could be way later. I just believe that you cannot realistically expect if you are an Ottawa Red Blacks fan right now, Kyle, to snap your fingers and be better. And you can do that through getting a quarterback. Yes, absolutely. And that's got to be a priority. You get a quarterback, you've got an offensive mind, you got a great defensive mind in Mike Benavides. Like, I love that guy, and I think he's doing a hell of a job. You got some playmakers on defense, you got some building blocks with young Canadians on defense, but there's a lot of stuff they have to address. And, uh, and certainly that Wednesday night game, it was just a bit of a blur. I mean, the whole thing was just kind of a, a lot of, as you say, inaccuracies and, and struggles. And again, I think we're going to see more of that in this Tuesday night game against Edmonton. I can't believe that you talk about it being hard to watch CFL games. I love the CFL. I love almost every single, (laughs) I love almost every single damn thing about the Canadian football league and Canadian football. But when I see that I'm going to be watching Caleb Evans against Taylor Cornelius, the first thought that runs through my head is the hell we doing. It just, I don't, I hate that. That's the first thought that goes through my head, but it's one of those spots where you're like, I would love to be excited in this game to watch Matt Nichols go up against uh, Trevor Harris, because that would be a great duel of, of two efficient throwers and seeing where they could pick apart the defense. And, Oh man, it'd be, 
I have no idea what we're getting ourselves into here. And so I'm a little bit nervous about this Tuesday night game, uh, but we will see where it goes. Any final thoughts here on the Ticats uh, that you want to throw out there before we move along? I mean, the Ticats for me, they're, they're proving more and more with every passing week that their defense is elite. And I think their defense is, you know, if not the best uh, defense in the Canadian football league, they're close to being uh, one of the best. Um, I think it's the play of the defensive line that has changed over the last three weeks. Um, that kind of changes my mind. Um, as for how the Ticats outlook looks, I think if Dane Evans comes back, the Ticats could be in for a run to the Grey Cup. Um, if you have Brandon Banks and you have Braylon Addison, Devere Posey all back in the lineup and they're in rhythm, I think the Ticats can win a Grey Cup. Without those guys, I'm sorry, Ticats don't have a shot. Yeah, because I agree. against Winnipeg, Zach Alaros is showing something different this year than he showed at the end of 2019. Yeah. He's showing that, oh, if the, if the Bombers need a big drive, Zach can go down the field in four plays, yeah. right? He rolls to his right, you know, chucks the ball back across the field, you know, hits, uh, you know, guys that are open and they're off to the races. And I don't know if the, the Ticats, I, actually, I know, the Ticats can't keep up with the David Watford-led offense. It, it simply can't. Right now, the margin for the Ticats is really small. And that is, start of the game, we have to get out to a good start. Because if we go down two touchdowns, we're screwed, right? Maybe Ottawa's a little bit different. If Ottawa you know, would have found a way to score two touchdowns early. I think the Ticats, over time, their defense makes enough plays. They slow against the... It was like, for me, it felt, even with Dane Evans as at quarterback... And then obviously he, he gets injured and Watford comes in. They were always chasing the game. You can't do that with David Watford. You're going to no. not win games. No, so true. I, I, I actually had this conversation with one of my friends who's a proud Ticat season ticket holder. And, uh, and he said to me, he actually texted me before that Calgary Stampeders game. He said, I can't believe I bought season seats and I have to endure watching David Watford play starting quarterback. He's like, nothing against the guy, but he said, like when I bought tickets, I thought I'd be watching Masoli or Evans all year long, and I've got Watford. And then I, I texted him after the Ottawa-Hamilton game, and I said, if you thought that you weren't really excited to see David Watford play at home as a season ticket holder, imagine what it's like as an Ottawa Red Black season ticket holder to go to, to, go to, to, go to the game and to see David Watford be the superior quarterback with, with, with less experience. David, And again, this is... Everything is relative, right? So people are like, oh, Watford, I think the ceiling for the offense is not really that great. Then he goes to Ottawa and he looks, and part of this is Tommy Condell and the way he coaches and builds systems around quarterbacks, which is so great. He goes into Ottawa and he looks extremely competent at doing what they're asking him to do, which is an important contextual kind of point here that they weren't asking him to beat the world. In the rain, it was limited, but he was doing it. And and I thought he did a good job of that. So congratulations to uh, to David Watford. And again, I... I just don't, I don't, I don't know why if Masoli's dressing and if Masoli's around and stuff, why you wouldn't want him to be out there on the field. Like, what are you paying people for if they're not going to be out there for you on the field? So uh, hopefully he's back in the lineup and, uh, and the Ticats can start to string something together here because they've got enough talent. But I also want to say this to your point, just to wrap up on the Cats in the first game of last week, that I think there's a lot of Ticats fans, Kyle, that if they hear you say, you know, with Evans, with Addison, with Posey, with Banks, you guys have a chance to go to a great cup. If you don't, I know that you don't have the ability to go to a great cup based on the pieces no. that are there. And Ticats fans that, you know, have the Ticats tattoos and eat them raw and have the bumper stickers around Hamilton, as we know from living here, 
they they will always get very defensive. What, what do you mean my team can't? What do you mean? I, I, we can do this with anybody. We got great coaching. We got we can put anybody. And I just want everybody to imagine if I said to you, hey, with Cody Fajardo, Shaq Evans, Dion Lacey, uh, and Keen Schaefer Baker, Saskatchewan could go ahead and win a great cup. Without them, hell no. Yeah. What would you say? Like if you change the team and you take away the the blinding of it's your logo, it's your team, it's your town, and you just think of, you know, the Montreal Alouettes, if you were to take away not just Vernon Adams Jr., but also uh, you know, Matthew Schultz, the backup, and then take away Geno Lewis, who's their best receiver, and then take away uh, you know, Woody Barron, one of their best pass rushers, could they win a great cup? It's like, hell no, of course they yeah. can't. So you have to look at it from another team's angle and say, This is normal for a team that's as banged up as Hamilton. It's normal to not look like you thought they would. The expectations at the start of the year or going into the season are unfair because they don't have the human beings on the field that you thought they were going to have at this point. They could get healthy. They could look fantastic. And if they do, I'll celebrate the hell out of it because it'd be fun to see them all out there on the field. But it's as they are currently constituted. Yeah, this is not going to be a team that's going to make a deep run, especially if Toronto continues to improve. But I just I want to say that to get that off my chest because I hate when people get defensive about their team without realizing, okay, if you apply what's happening to your team, to any other team, we'd be talking about the exact same way. Yeah, and last thing on this before we move on, I want to be very clear to Ticats fans. With Dane Evans in the lineup, it doesn't mean you're getting to a great cup. I think if things fall your way, you could get to a great cup. I don't think the Ticats are going to a great cup this year. If Dane Evans is in the lineup, I don't care about Brandon Banks back in. I don't care about Zavir Posey. Hell, Luke Tasker in his prime coming back. You are not going to win the Great Cup if you protect the way the Ticats are protected, right? Because in a, and listen, you might get to a Great Cup and face Winnipeg again, and it's going to be a repeat of 2019, probably even worse, right? I look at that Ticats offensive line and I still see massive issues. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't see any changes coming. For whatever reason that is, you know, salary cap implications, I don't know. But it doesn't look like Sean Burke is bringing in a boatload of offensive linemen to to try to fix the issues that they have on left tackle, probably at center. Because of the center, you know, uh, being the former right guard, now you have problems at the right guard. Chris Van Zyl, his health, does he come back and play right tackle? Because hopefully he does. If not, your right tackle is not fantastic. Like all of this, you know, is adding up to the Ticats are going to be in really tough if they face a team that can, you know, put points up on the board and get after your quarterback. And that's Winnipeg. Yeah. And you probably don't play Winnipeg until a great cup. But if this is about ending the streak in Hamilton, it's not going to happen. It's simply of, not uh, with those guys up front. Yeah, a lot of script left to be written. And of course, it'd be a magical year for the Ticats to do that at home. But uh, we digress. We'll talk about, uh, I'm sure, more of them coming out of this next week that we have up for you. Week nine already. I can't believe we're there. That was a quick week eight. And this week nine is going to be super strange before we get into week 10, which, hey, good news. Week 10, I'm actually calling a CFL game on television. At least I think. I think, uh, which is my (laughs) next point here, because uh, I like using this podcast specifically with you and I, Kyle, because it's so free flowing and conversational. Uh, to peel back the curtain and do a little inside the music for people. So what happened this past week, uh, I always just love <laughs> dropping this in as a little Easter egg for people, is that on Wednesday, I was watching Hamilton against Ottawa, and I got an email that said, uh, actually, no, I'll go back for a second on this. So Wednesday afternoon, I'm in the Zoom call. So I'm talking to Kari Jones um, and Vernon Adams Jr. and 
Uh, Ryan Dinwiddie was fantastic. We talked to Sean Oakman. That was kind of fun. And all of these, the, the calls that we do two days out before the game with um, the, the players and the coaches, you get like, you know, one coach, one player, whatever. They're, un- they're not recorded and they're not for broadcast. They're yeah. just for, they're for our understanding as broadcasters. So it's a great opportunity to be really honest with them and to ask kind of deeper, more penetrating questions than you typically will get answers from. Because you ask a really tough question when the cameras and the mics are on and eh, it might not be great, but <laughs> you ask it in this setting and they'll just be like, you know, <laughs> sometimes they'll tell you to F off, which is fine. Uh, yeah. But sometimes they'll give you a great answer and we got a lot of great answers. So I'm doing all this prep. And in the middle of doing this prep, it's me, it's Dwayne Ford on the Zoom call. Uh, John Hines who's a fantastic producer for the CFL and TSN. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Rod Black pops into the Zoom call. And immediately, I'm like, uh, I'm like, we both do play-by-play. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening here? <laughs> and Rod goes, hey, hey, guys. I'm like, hey, Roddy, what's happening? I'm, uh, I'm doing this game. And I didn't say anything. I'm like, am I did I have my schedule wrong? Oh man, I feel dumb. I've been in the zoom call for an hour. Like am I, it's like when you're, it reminded me of in university when you walk into a lecture and (laughs) you're not two Spider-Men looking at each other. Well, yeah, but it's like you walk, (laughs) you walk into the lecture hall when you're in university or college and you're not really sure if this is your class or not. You kind of have to ask people like, is is this political history one go three? Yeah, the code. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they're like, yes. And then you're like, oh, thank God. And then you like slide down into the chair at the back of the auditorium because you don't want anybody to see you because you don't want to get called out for being late. So you know, I I had that moment where I'm like, I don't know why Rod's in Rod says, well, I'm working this game. John Hines, the producer, checks the schedule. He goes, I've got Marsh doing the the Toronto Montreal game on Friday. So Rod goes, okay, I must have been wrong. Sorry about that, guys. Three hours later, I get an email from TSN higher up saying, hey, sorry, we double booked. The schedule was off. You know, we sent out one version of a schedule and then another version of the schedule. And uh, unfortunately, you're not going to call the game this week. Hopefully, we'll make it up to you later on in the year, but it's, it's not going to work out this week. I'm like, all right, fine. So I go into Friday night watching the game live like I always do, assuming that everybody knows it's Rod Black calling the game. Okay. And what ends up happening, because Rod Smith was hosting on the panel back at studio, <laughs> R- Rod Smith uh, is a such a professional, and he always likes to know who's calling the game so that he's not just, you know, hey, million-dollar touchdown to win, promo read, and go watch some football. Bye, everybody. We'll see you at halftime. He's always, you know, off now to BMO Field. It's Marshall Ferguson and Dwayne Ford with the call. And that's how he leads in. It's like introducing us, and then we start the broadcast, and so he goes to do that, and he says, Marshall Ferguson and Dwayne Ford on the call. And what ensued was one of the more awkward moments that I've ever been associated with. I was, <laughs> I was cringing from my living room, okay? <laughs> Hello, Canada. Welcome to Friday Night Football off the lakeshore. I'm not Marshall Ferguson. I'm Rod Black along with Dwayne Ford. As we get ready for the double blue. Uh, so I felt so stupid and so bad. And I'm, it's, it's an out it's of your bo- fault. I know, but it's an out of body experience <laughs> where you're sitting alone by yourself, just trying to watch a football game. And somebody says that you're calling the football game. You're sitting in your living room. And you just go, nope, I don't think I am. Uh, yeah, I'm actually pretty sure yeah. that I'm not. And then I'm just waiting for the recoil of, oh my God, what is Rod going to do? And I was hoping he just wouldn't address it at all. Like, ah, whatever. Make fun of it, move on. Uh, but then Rod says, I'm not Marshall Ferguson. And part of me was like, oh, I hate that that got in the way of his intro because I don't want to mess up Rod's intro to the game, yeah. getting into the flow of things. But then I thought, man, that is such a great sound clip. Rod Black is a damn legend in Canadian broadcasting. 
Now I have a clip of Rod Black saying, I'm not Marshall Ferguson. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to come in handy. I don't know if it's ever going to be useful to me in any way, shape or form, but I might make it my ringtone. Just Rod, Rod, Rod Black saying, I'm not, I might even make that my voice. No, you're answering machine. Yeah. I think the voicemail is the move. Just Rod Black going, I'm not Marshall. But the thing is I could just get Rod Black to do my voicemail if I want. Yeah. Next yeah. time I see him. Right. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it is funny so, to, to see the way that that happened. So you texted me probably like five minutes after that happened. And you just said, what an intro. And I didn't know what you were talking about. I had the game on, but I had it on mute. Yeah. I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was like on YouTube or something, watching something on my phone. And my girlfriend was sitting right next to me. And I was like, oh boy. So first commercial break, I reel it back because I have the DVR and reel it back, play it. And I was thinking to myself, man, Rod Smith just said the wrong person's name. I'm like, that reminded me of when me and you were doing Marshmallow on TSN 1150. And we had Milt Stiegel on yeah. and we thought it was Steve Milton. Oh no. I remember. Do you that remember too. that day on the, on the board? Cause what happened, yeah. you know, on our show, Marsh would come in and anybody that he had booked, he would write the person's <sighs> name and what time they were coming on the show. He just wrote Milt. And I'm so used to having Steve Milton on. I thought we were having Milty. So I call the number he put on the work line, because if I would have called it on my cell phone, obviously it would have came up as not, Steve Milton. Yeah. And I call it and I'm like, hey, Steve, this is, this is Milt Stiegel. Oh, <laughs> oh, Milt. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then Marsha's like, oh, crap. We had a miscommunication. Just put him on. And then we just laughed about it for the first five minutes. Uh, yeah. And it, I felt so, that's one of the worst <laughs> moments I've ever had because that was just <laughs> gross negligence on my part of not knowing how to organize guests. And it was, I don't I forget why that had even happened, but we were also it was delirious. just a miscommunication. But we were also delirious because I believe we had done morning radio and that was the Freedency show. So we were on air for six hours over a nine hour stretch. And that yeah. was towards the back end of the six hours. So yeah, I do remember us being a little <laughs> little loopy in that one. But I also want to point out here, um, you might think that what happened this week was the first time that Rod Black and I had actually stepped on each other's toes during a broadcast, but that's not true because we have another TSN 1150 <laughs> memory for you. This is Labor Day of 2017 when rod black was on the television call and i was on the radio call and uh i and this is so great for so many reasons not the least of which is it starts off with the television guys doing a very professional introduction and me working with 76 year old john salavantis explaining how how much he enjoyed going golfing with his friends the other day Fighting for first place, the other scraping for their first win. But three words echo right now. It is Labor Day Day Classic. On Labor Day, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are turning their hopes to turn around their season over to Jeremiah Masoli, the man who was 500 and eight starts for them last season. He takes over from Zach Kalaros. Over on the other side, a former Hamilton Tiger Cat trying to make Masoli's life difficult. That's Cassius Vaughn starting a free safety for the Argos. Had a huge return interception. Now, this is obviously just an audio mess. So I apologize to everybody who's trying to sift their way through, but it's kind of like a house of mirrors 
where you don't know where people are, what they're going to be saying. Are they talking to each other? Are they in different rooms? Because a wire got crossed and our voices ended up from radio on national television. But the actual play-by-play of the kickoff of the game of the 2017 Labor Day Classic <laughs> was so fantastic. Oh, man. Very happy to have you right here with us. It's time for Tiger Cats so, football. Maybe the biggest toss so far was the coin toss. Mercer won by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They've deferred until the fourth quarter of the second half. And we'll have the win. The win is howling here. The Labor Day Classic begins. Boots it down. Arelahu down to Giovanni. Two yards deep in his own end zone. Breaks across 15-20. Got room at the 30. Tries to barrel his way through to the 36. And at that point, everything got muted on the television side for about 30 seconds. But yeah, so Rod and I have a history of stepping all over each other, even if we're not in the same room or in the same Zoom or anything else. Um, but I texted Rod Smith as soon as that happened. And I said, I'm so sorry. I should have reached out to you. Uh, I should have let you know in case there were other people who didn't get the updated schedule or didn't know. There was just a lack of communication, which made Rod Smith look unprepared, which he is anything but unprepared. And so I felt very bad about that. And I, I just I apologized to him. He said, it's not your fault, not your fault. You know, I was confirming with people in studio. It was just a lack of communication. It happens. And I said, yeah, yeah, but that, that's kind of on me. And th- so I'm watching and they always do the halftime show tease right at the three minute warning of the first half. Yeah. And the halftime tease was tremendous for this game. Again, I've never been talked about so much on a broadcast. I was not working. I'm not Kate Burness. I'm also not Rod Black. And I know this because he's calling the game tonight, not Marshall Ferguson. Here with Ches, Maddie, and Jim, but not Milt Stiegel. We're going to talk about what happened in that first half. Or not. Sorry for the confusion, Rod. That's okay. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> oh, that's sad, Dave. It was a scheduling. It was a last-minute scratch. Came up from the minors. Game time, game time, game time decision. decision. Yes, that's the way it worked. Here's Antonio Pipkin. In Wait a minute. Came up from the minor leagues? The hell is yeah. that supposed to mean? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, there was, was a game earlier this year, and I think it was the Ottawa game. I just can't remember what blowout it was, whether it was against BC or Montreal. Yeah. And Dunnigan was on the call. And then you came up in conversation again. <laughs> with uh rod smith and weave my way again and then dunnigan just just like proclaimed his uh his uh, knowledge of your football career <laughs> at mcmaster and how you were such a top prospect and then he just ends it with i don't know what happened i don't know why he didn't make it at cfl and i was like wait was that a dig at marshall ferguson on why he never became a cfl quarterback <laughs> oh i think it's a dig at dunnigan's knowledge of my university career because he very clearly knows nothing about the type of quarterback that i was. I love Matty d but god man it was that that was just them filling because that was the end of a very bad football game, that was a bad uh, game. yeah uh so i i don't uh, neglect that but anyways uh for a couple of minutes here let's uh be less nostalgic and less uh self-indulging uh as we uh, indulging i should say as we uh we look at this Toronto Montreal matchup because I thought this one was yeah. interesting, man. McLeod Bethel Thompson comes in, throws it all over the place. Chandler Worthy, nice touchdown down the rail. Um, I went back and reviewed that play specifically, and it looked like they had just basically it was like a cover four, I think, type look for Montreal. The corner on the boundary was trying to turn everything inside to the free safety or the boundary half. I think in Greg Reed and and he 
he stuttered his feet for half a second, Taekwon Glass, and when he did, were the outside releases, runs down the sideline, and that created the separation from the middle of the field that they needed to hit the home run. So um, that was a big one. It wasn't the difference, but it was it was one of the more marquee plays that got people at BMO up on their feet. And uh, it was a fun game, honestly. Both of the games on Friday were really, really high caliber, well played. And uh, and I saw the ratings as well for both of them. I think Saskatchewan, BC, the, the final game on Friday did like close to 650,000 people on a Friday night with a game that started at 10 PM or something like that. So yeah. um, it's, that's pretty good numbers, man, for the CFL and TSN to be getting in Toronto, Montreal, getting a rating that was, I think somewhere in like the 300,000s was that's pretty strong for a Friday at 7 PM in September. Yeah. Taking everything into consideration, the lead up to the game, um, writing the articles on the betting perspective uh, about the games. And I think I wrote it in one of the articles. It might've been the Toronto Montreal one. Um, I said Friday night was going to be the best night for CFL football this season. And I, I thoroughly thought that. And after watching the games, it came to fruition. I thought, why, why did you believe that going in? Cause it actually, could just end- because I thought there were so many question marks, right? Like Toronto, they had, were coming off a loss. The Nick Arbuckle thing and not playing kind of ruined the momentum for the game because I wanted to see what Arbuckle could do and whether or not he could bounce back. And then looking at Montreal, I think they have the pieces to be really good. Um, but the consistency from, from their offense and discipline issues kind of rose up again. Um, for, for me, uh, I thought that game was fascinating. And then the BC Saskatchewan game, writing that article, I thought it was the game so far this year that had the best lead up to it mm-hmm. because here was BC on, on a roll a little bit. Yeah. Maybe the opponents played into that on who they were playing. Um, and then Saskatchewan, you know, not being at home playing a big game on the road, could they win? And the games were fantastic. Both games were fantastic. Um, as for Montreal, I thought offensively at times in the game, they were going back to the Montreal Alouettes of, Oh, this team is like super overly aggressive and just not consistent enough. And, you know, they're going to and out a lot. Um, but I think at some point in the second half, they kind of came together. Um, but defensively, I just, things have arose with Montreal's defense that I think are going to catch up with them because mm-hmm. their offense isn't consistent for them to have success. Their defense needs to be great. And for me, they're giving up a lot of big plays. Um, and for Toronto McLeod, Bethel Thompson, I've said it so many times. I think he's a very good backup quarterback. And in a single game scenario, he can put up the types of numbers that he put up um, against Montreal, but over a five game stretch, how many games is he going to win? And that's going to be the question. Um, I am not convinced though, right now that Nick Arbuckle is a way better starting quarterback than McLeod Bethel Thompson. Um, Simply not. You go back to that Hamilton game, the, the one that Toronto won. I didn't think he was great. And that was coming off a Labor Day game where I didn't think he was very good. Um, and then that game against the Ticats, um, that, that beat Hamilton, I didn't think he was all that good. And then they go to Saskatchewan and they got beat up uh, a little bit. And Nick Arbuckle put up some numbers in that game, but it was because of necessity. They were down at halftime, I think 18 to three. Yeah. So they opened up the playbook and were just chucking it. Um, as for, you know, that quarterback situation, I don't know. I don't know if Nick Arbuckle is going to come back healthy. And if he struggles again, do you put McLeod Bethel Thompson in the game? Um, uh, against an opponent like Montreal? I don't know. 
it's interesting to me that of the CFL franchises that we believed would be able to do this juggling act where it's like, okay, whoever's healthy gives us the best chance to win. Let's go back and forth. Is it going to be Evans or is it going to be Masoli? I thought that was going to be Hamilton's setup this year. The team that's doing that successfully is Toronto. And I think that speaks to why they're having a little bit more success in the East right now. A lot of extenuating circumstances around Hamilton mm-hmm. in other ways, but Toronto to me has done a really good job of being able to massage that situation where it doesn't feel awkward. It feels like whoever's the right guy for that week, they'll go with them and they'll power through. Now, it's only a 16-week, 14-game season in 2021. If this were a longer season, this would probably be even more effective for them. It would mean more. But they're doing a nice job, I think, of balancing those two things out. And uh, and for me, in terms of the physicality of this game, I thought in the trenches it was really interesting because Toronto, like they, they've got some bodies up front, but they're young. And they're kind of learning on the job a little bit at various points. Like the Castro obviously is the one that we all think about coming in from the draft and the Calgary Dinos, but mm-hmm. they've got uh, so just some youth to their, their offensive line that up against uh, a really strong interior presence, like Woody Barrett, I, I just didn't think that it showed through. I didn't think that it, they looked very young, which is encouraging because the Ticats have certainly looked young on their offensive line at various points this year uh, and, and a little bit inexperienced. So that's a good sign. I think for Toronto to come through, like getting the win in this game, I think, it's obviously a good thing for Toronto, but I felt like Montreal played a really solid game and there were opportunities for them. And I'll say this as well, because I was in the Zoom call with Kahari Jones, I asked him about the, the what you call kind of the overly aggressive side of Vernon Adams Jr. I said, like, at what point do you have to start scripting caution? Because you just know that that, that guy is going to create and be adventurous whenever he gets the opportunity. And he said, well, you never want to script too much caution because you don't want to try to tame a wild animal that's special. But he said, there are some moments where I just want him to realize taking a check down is okay. Handing the ball off and having to punt here is okay. Which again, from a head coach, you wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. to hear that, especially not from Kahari because he wasn't that person as a quarterback. But when he said that, the drive where Vernon Adams Jr. gets a quarterback sneak in around the five yard line and then throws a crossing route for a touchdown the next play, like it, that's a really simple, straightforward drive. But with Anthony Calvillo and Ricky Ray and Henry Burris, it wasn't always the sensational go crazy down the goal line play. It was the smart play. It was the check down, the underneath, the yak yards that came from all that stuff. So being able to see them get into the end zone, I was like, oh, that's exactly the type of drive that Kahari was telling us about in our prep on the Zoom call. And when Vernon came to the sideline, Kahari looked like a proud papa. Like he actually looked really, and he came to the sideline and I, I read Kahari's lips. And he said to Vernon when he came off the sideline, that's what I'm talking about. And it wasn't like one of those, that's what I'm talking about. It was him making the point, not as a coach, but as a teacher, where he was saying, that is exactly what I've been talking to you in practice about. Taking the smart stuff, taking the short stuff. And again, Vernon being vertical, that's great. Mm-hmm. It's, that's going to pay dividends for them at times. But it was um, very obvious I look that at Harhari's trying to teach trying. For Vernon Adams Jr., you look at his numbers, 30 of 39, 382, two touchdowns, two picks. And when we talk about being overly aggressive, Toronto, I've realized this too, this season, they run a lot of offensive plays, Mm -hmm. like a ton of offensive plays, which means they're not going to and out all that much. Although early in the game, it was weird because they didn't score any points in the first quarter. It took them a while to get into the game. William Sandback, 133 yards. That's three straight games where he's at over a hundred yards rushing. If he's having over a hundred yards rushing and you're getting that 40, 50 yards rushing from Vernon Adams Jr., and Vernon Adams Jr. can put up 300-plus passing yards, you should be winning games. <laughs> yeah. But I started this whole thing with defensively, I'm not seeing what I need to see from the Alouettes to say, 
oh, they can slow teams down enough so that their offense, which has a lot of punch to it, right? Like they have unbelievable wide receiver. Jake Wynicki has slowly become, you know, one of my favorite receivers to watch his yeah. outstanding, you know, hands over the middle. Um, and he takes punishment, but he, he hangs on to the ball when he's getting hit. That is great and all, but Vernon Adams Jr. cannot give teams short fields. And I, I believe once in that game, um, in the fourth quarter, he turned the ball over in their own half. And it's like, those mistakes will kill you. And then, you know, credit to Boris Bidet. He's, you know, up there and he's knocking field goals through and he's hitting all the big kicks. And that's important too. And we'll talk about the, what happened in the Saskatchewan DC game because <laughs> I thought kicking cost them the game. But um, for, for Montreal, I see the bright spots. I'm just not seeing it from both sides of the ball. And it has to be you know, frustrating for, for Kari Jones because that team can be very good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's turn our attention towards the game. This was a thriller, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Saskatchewan, BC. It was well played, good quarterback play, great receiver play. Uh, and as you say, the kicking game factored into it immensely. What did you see from the kicking game specifically <laughs> at the end? Because, man, that sliced punt late in the fourth quarter, that, as a punter in a former life, I feel specially equipped to explain how easily that can happen. Uh, but also there are moments when you're punting where you slice through a ball so seamlessly, like hot you know, knife through butter that you hit a 75 yard spiral. Yeah. And then there's moments where it feels the exact same. And you look up and you're like, I must've crushed that. Where's the ball. Oh, it's, it's right. Down. To the, yeah. yeah. It's down <laughs> here because it just, it comes off your foot so easily. It's a very small degree of separation between those two things. Did he just choke Kyle? Like what, what the hell happened there? Do you think? So it wasn't just the punting. For, for me, remember, yeah. uh, right before that, uh, Camacho missed a, a field goal attempt, I believe on the second last possession, uh, for the BC lions, yeah. um, that would have put them up nine points and would ice the game, right? You're talking about three minutes left in the game and they're up two scores. You would think that the game yeah. was over. Um, he misses the, the, the kick and then, you know, they have a, a third down, um, call decision to make, um, outside of field goal range. And Michael Riley's looking at Rick Campbell on the sidelines and he's yelling at him that he wants to go for it. Maybe it was more than, you know, third and one, maybe third, third and one and a half, third and two. Um, seeing the success that Fajardo was having offensively at that point in the game, I would have gone for it. Obviously we could play hindsight all day. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a tough decision for Rick Campbell. Um, but for me, if you're quarterback and maybe we're seeing this more, um, and I know it was a different league, um, in the NFL, um, that Kansas City Chiefs Baltimore Ravens game, where the the clip came out after, where Habra goes to Lamar Jackson, and he's like, fourth and two, you want to go for it? Yeah. And Lamar Jackson's like, or fourth and four, he's like, hell yeah, I want to go for it. Well, let's end this now. And what happens? They get the first down, they end the game. Um, that's why it's it's always going to be a tough decision. Um, but Michael Riley has, for me, he's been outstanding this year. Yep. And I would have trust him, you know, in that moment, what happens, they decide, you know, to, to go for it or, uh, they decide to, to punt it away It is, you know, success that you can live with, uh, for, for long periods of time. And I think Michael Riley slowly, but surely is becoming the Michael Riley of what he was in Edmonton. Um, but we'll see, uh, moving forward as for Saskatchewan, I think they made enough plays and that seems to be the story this year for, for Saskatchewan. Um, I think if you're Cody Fajardo, the health of Fajardo is always going to be a question mark, but he looks, he looks a little bit better and he's getting better within games as well. 
first quarter, he starts off a little slow. And then uh, over time, he's starting to figure it out. I agree with you on all that. I think for me, the thing that jumps out too is our Wi-Fi craps out on us here and makes life difficult uh, is that uh, I, I love the way that Fajardo is taking control of that offense where late in games, I do feel comfortable with him at the controls where I don't think I could have said that even really in 2019 at times where I was like, okay, I feel like he's the most dangerous player in the CFL late in games. And he didn't have to do a ton to get them home because obviously BC had their short fallings in the kicking game that allowed them to creep back into it. But for Jardo as a dual threat quarterback, when healthy late in games, I don't care if it's a one score game, two score game, five minutes left in the fourth, 10 minutes left in the fourth. If you get to the fourth quarter and that dude's healthy and in a rhythm, Saskatchewan can do anything that they want to, as long as they get some production from yeah. Lenius, the odd catch from Kean Schaefer Baker. Like they've got pieces there that I think really can work with Fajardo as they're building something around him, which they are very much doing at this point because they know that he is their future in Saskatchewan. So uh, yeah, I, I, I thought this was a tremendous game. It's one of the best games of the year that we've seen thus far. Uh, and to me, this feels like the type of matchup that ends up becoming a West semifinal. Maybe. Like if Saskatchewan is hosting and BC gets in the playoffs as the three seed in the West, I would love to see BC go back to where they went in week one, where Michael Riley's arm was flailing all over. It was basically in the stands before they got Nathan Rourke out of that game. And you ended up having Riley come back in and throw a bunch of flutter balls. Well, I guarantee you, if he goes back there in a playoff game, he ain't going to be throwing flutter balls in Saskatchewan with the pressure of playing at home with the opportunity to fight their way to a West final in Winnipeg. I think would that would be a tremendous setup. That's actually kind of actually what I'm cheering for right now is for it to be Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, BC, one, two, three, because I'd love to see BC go into Sask and I'd love to see whoever comes out of that, mm-hmm. be it Saskatchewan or BC, have to go into Winnipeg and try to get the victory there in a West final to go to Hamilton. And for BC, I mean, that could be a linear progression across the country from West to East, where you could go from Vancouver, you go to Saskatchewan, you go to Winnipeg, you go to Hamilton. And I mean, we could be headed towards, for all we know, a, a BC Toronto Grey Cup in Hamilton. Like the, the possibilities are crazy and endless here because there's a lot of really talented teams right now. Yeah. And what I'm looking at for, for BC and, you know, I talk about, I thought BC played a very uh, good game. Um, the offensive line, BC's offensive line looks a lot better. Right. And you like to see that from Hamilton yeah. on their offensive line improving. Joel Figueroa coming back from injury has helped out <laughs> that offensive line because uh what they look like remember that game in uh at home against edmonton uh when the elks uh beat them and it looked like jake serezna was the defensive mop where he was just busting up the bc lions every single play um and michael riley was running for his life those days are past at least i'm going off of evidence and what i've seen um so if you're bc be encouraged about that i still think there's some things they they need to change um they need to get some aspect of a run game going because right now they are putting a lot of pressure on Michael Riley. Um, and that's fine. I think Michael Riley can have success doing that. But remember Michael Riley, when he was playing for the Edmonton formers, uh, <laughs> when he was playing for that team and Jason Moss was the, the, the head coach of Edmonton, they were putting all the pressure on Michael Riley and Riley was, you know, at times it was, you know, coming through for them. And then at times it just, he couldn't keep up. He was running on a treadmill that was on max. And the entire time, and he just ran out of gas. It's like, yeah, if you're throwing the ball 49 times a game, it's like, yeah, you're probably going to throw a couple of interceptions and maybe you throw it at the wrong time in the field. And all of a sudden you're handing a team points and, and, and you can't do that consistently. And Jason Moss paid, you know, 
uh, with his job because of it. And now I'm seeing, you know, BC and, and I really like what they're doing. I think Rick Campbell's done a very good job in a short amount of time uh, with that organization. And, uh, you know, if you're a BC Lions fan, even though you lost in the game, still be encouraged because I like what I saw. Yep, I absolutely I agree with you. We're almost out of here. This is the three-minute warning brought to you by... It's brought to you by Crappy Wi-Fi, and it's also brought to you by uh, Bolt House Farms. Is it, are they Canadian, do you know, Bolt House Farms? Are we familiar with uh, the good people no. of Bolt House? Eh, I don't see anything on here. Maybe? Oh, Bakersfield, Cal- Bakersfield, California. I stand. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we've got Tuesday night. We've got the matchup coming up, and then Friday and a Saturday doubleheader. By the way, Friday yeah. Friday starts at 10 p.m. Like, it's not a 7 p.m. kick. The first game on Friday this week is a 10 p.m. kick. I believe, Kyle, I'm, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head that I saw that. I think it's like a 10 p.m. kick on Friday, and then it's a Saturday afternoon, 4 and 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So you get the super late Friday, but then you get the early kicks on Saturday. So, hey, life balances out. Yeah, and for BC, we just talked about the Lions. Uh, man, what another test. Um, but I think it's going to be a good game against Winnipeg. Yeah. For, for the Blue Bombers, they're going in against an offense that have shown success. And I just talked about their offensive line. Well, here's a test. Yeah. You have Willie and Jackson and all those guys trying to take <laughs> your head off. And for Michael Riley, he'll see if he can put up some production. Yeah, and uh, I do love that Winnipeg is getting everybody's best punch right now, and they're weathering all of them. Like, it's it's amazing to watch. They are getting the best of every team that they play against for the most part. So uh, it'll be another fun week around the Canadian Football League. Thank you to Fox 40. Thank you to Sawdust City. And, of course, check out all of our OUA coverage on CFP. Go to OUA.tv if you want to watch any of those games on demand and uh, get out and enjoy the games as well if you get an opportunity across the OUA. There's some great football being played right now. I believe Mac Homecoming is this weekend. They got Waterloo. Trey Ford coming in. That's going to be a spicy one. I don't know if I'll be able to get down to the game because I'll probably be working some CFL stuff, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun one. And there's more fun around the corner. We'll have the full recap for you on Sunday. If you miss any of the games on the OUA show on our YouTube page, it is up at 10 AM on Sunday morning uh, for you to be able to enjoy, get caught up and uh, hear some of the discussion around all things OUA. Kyle, thanks as always, brother. Enjoy yourself. Thanks. And uh, whenever it happens, your next call. um, Good luck. thanks everybody for following along at cf perspective is where you can find us on twitter and instagram that is at kyle underscore mellow underscore and i'm at tsn underscore marsh we will talk to you coming up next week with a recap of week number nine between now and then have yourselves a fantastic week nine in the canadian football league